June Part 2 has been delayed all the way till next year. Communications between writers and studios breaking down. We preview the 2024 movie release schedule and the MCU gets an official timeline. That news and more awaits you after this. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today on the panel, we have Jay Sisson from Commute the Podcast. What's going on, Jay? Not too much. Happy to be here and talk a little news, even though most of it's pretty sad. Yeah, lots of sad news today. <laughs> lots of sad news today. Uh, Jay Scotty, how are you dealing with all the sad news? Well, you know, it's it's good to be here despite the little bit of a slow news weekend. As you mentioned, it's kind of a sad news week, but I'm... F- Confident we'll find a way to spice it up. See what I did there? Spice spice it up. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. No no one else does because we haven't talked about that story yet. Well, I guess it was in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Haley Hobbs. What's going on, Haley Hobbs? Oh, you know, living the dream. Good. Well, that that's good. Um, well, uh, we're going to dive right into these stories. They, we do have a, a limited number of them, and they are... Just bummers, mostly. But we are going to do our 2024 look ahead and see what's going on in the 2024 movie slate since we're nearing the end of 2023. Um, So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Up first, Warner Brothers has officially delayed Dune Part 2 until next year. Scheduled now to release March 15th, 2024. The move is unsurprising given the ongoing concurrent Writers Guild of America and SAG after strikes, but no less disappointing for Dune diehards. The highly anticipated sequel took Godzilla and Kong The New Empire's original release date, shifting that film back by a month. The animated feature, Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, uh, was also delayed about eight months, moving from April 12th, 2024 to December 13th, 2024. Uh, It's not all doom and gloom for Dune fans, though. Denis Villeneuve teased a possible third installment for the series. Does the possibility of a Dune trilogy do enough to assuage the pain we feel from these seemingly inevitable delays. To quote Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader from episode three, Revenge of the Sith. No. <laughs> I was like, what is he going to say right now? Like, I was like, there's so many things that he's going to, but that's the one you chose. Yep. <laughs> no, uh, you know, this, this is really disappointing, but, not expected unexpected rather at all i do think it's the right move when you have a cast that's as stacked as this movie is and it's as anticipated as it is it is it's only right to give it the you know the proper promotion and publicity and have you know i i look forward to all those interview interviews and press tours like i i just eat all that stuff up so to be not to be denied that i think would have been um, a real shame as much as I wanted to see Dune Part 2 sooner rather than later. So um, as far as these other delays go, they don't really impact me all that much. I am both a fan of Godzilla and The Lord of the Rings, but I did not even know this Godzilla Kong movie was coming out. And that animated Lord of the Rings film is one that I just keep forgetting about until I hear about it again. I feel like it's been in the works for a really long time. But um, I do want to focus on what Denis Villeneuve teased with a possible third film and making this a trilogy. If that is to take place, I guess he would be adapting the second book, which is Dune Messiah. So uh, I won't spoil any of the, the plot there, but I do have uh, you know some idea of where it goes. So I have some reading to do, and uh, 
I would really like to see more and more Dune movies. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the good with the bad here. And uh, I, yeah, I think this is shaking out the way that it's supposed to. And hopefully we don't get more delays. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking about is the rest of 2023, which is looking pretty sparse at this point. And I'm thinking about a movie like The Marvels, because if you're looking at that and you're saying, if you're in charge of that movie, you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, we're not going to be able to put our talent out there if this is still going on, which is why Dune moved. So we can't put the stars of the film out there to promote it, which is a bummer. But at the same time, I think if you're Kevin Feige and company, I think you're looking at that and saying, all right, well, I can still go out and promote it and Nia DaCosta can still go out and promote it. And now we don't have any competition and we can dominate the IMAX screens, which it's already been announced that the Marvels will have access to plenty more IMAX screens now that Dune has moved. So I almost think it's in their favor, that particular film at least, it's probably in their favor to stick in that release date and just eat the lack of promotion that they'll be able to generate and try to lean into the, just the fact that they'll be one of the only movies on the slate for the rest of the year. But um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that movie got moved though. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, we're going to talk about the 2024 slate here in a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised to see those movies move too. It's really just going to depend on when the strikes get resolved. And uh, the sooner, the, the less you'll see of this and the later, the more you'll see of this. All right, up next, in more disappointing news and the cause of the aforementioned delays, just two weeks removed from what seemed to be the most promising progress made since the writer's strike began, uh, negotiations between the WGA and the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers have reached a complete standstill. Both parties have publicly slammed each other in the last week, uh, with sources from each indicating there are currently no discussage. <laughs> discussage. <laughs> right. If that's not a word, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely should be. I really enjoy our discussages. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a Polly Shore word. Yeah, man, we just stayed up all night and Aww, had some discussage. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Both parties have publicly slammed each other in the last week, and sources from each indicating there are currently no discussions for returning to the negotiations table. Are we at all surprised that these talks fell through or at the level of apparent animosity on display here? Is anyone holding their breath? Yeah, I am not necessarily surprised because this is the first offer and that kind of is always what happens when there's a first offer you shoot down the first offer and you say it's not fair to try to get a better offer on the next time around but i think what is encouraging even though the report is that these sides do not have a talk scheduled for the future i think what is encouraging is that they are at least talking about the things that seem to be the major roadblocks so there is discussion about ai we talked a couple weeks ago about how the studios did offer that human at least one human has to be credited on every work so that's that's good that they're talking about that kind of stuff at least uh, even if we're not seeing progress in that department it does seem like they are trying to resolve the writer's strike before they resolve the actor's strike. Like there hasn't really been any sort of discussion on the actor's side yet, which I guess does make sense because you can move a lot of these productions back into 
some type of stage if you have the writers back on board. So that does seem to be the focus. So I am, I guess, even though there's no movement, I, I think the talking is encouraging. I think this is kind of how first offers always go anyway. But ultimately, the industry is really starting to bleed at this point. And I think you mm -hmm. will start to see a lot more of these conversations happen between the studios and the writers. I think we will see this end sooner than later, I think, because of how bad it is in the industry right now with all of the delays, with um, fall TV basically completely going away, fall movies completely going away. It's The industry is kind of coming to its knees a little bit uh through this so i think uh yeah i think we're i think we're on on to something at least hopefully somewhat soon we're seeing all these streaming services drop a bunch of established shows um willow we read today about westworld is no longer on max and it's it seems a little uncouth that they're dropping things that people would be getting pay for right now residuals for it's the only thing they can really they being actors be getting paid for and it's it's kind of not it continues to not be a good look on those studios on those streaming services and so you do make a really good point about oh well they're going to focus on the writers because they have to get that machine churning again before they bring back the actors and i think the actors have a little more um publicity clout maybe than the writers do um i don't know this is just such a awful time for Hollywood. I hope that it gets resolved soon. Yeah, I think we're in the 18th week right now of the writer's strike. So that's... 130 some odd days. Yeah, I mean, that's Ooh. pretty like, mm. that's a lot longer, I think, than anyone thought it was going to go. However long yeah. the show's been going, that's how long the strike's been going <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> you are not... Related. <laughs> just, just to be clear. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's crazy to think about the way that uh, this is going so long. I, I, whenever I hear about these strikes, um, I always just kind of assume, you know, it's a negotiation tactic, which it is, uh, inevitably. Sure. But it's going to get resolved. Someone's going to come to the table. But I think we're just at a place where as you guys discussed with Jeff last week, like streaming is just dying or whatever, or like, you know, I just think, I just think we're having a retraction in the industry because they've been putting too many bets out there. Not enough things have been hitting, not definitely not enough things have been making money. A lot of these companies just don't even make money. They're just trying to get eyeballs, but with no real end game. And so it's like, eventually you have to, turn to something that like is going to pay money for the thing and like you know we, we we always joke about how like oh man these streaming services are getting to the point where it's getting close to cable costs again but the thing about cable costs is you paid 60 70 dollars a month and you watched ads constantly so it's like this weird like that's how things used to get paid for and now you know we're all getting streaming services but like we don't get ads anymore and we pay for some things and we get free trials and everybody shares passwords. And I just don't know how they're, uh, how the industry and they're making more content than ever. It just feels like the industry is, is over bloated to some degree and it's going to have to have some sort of attraction. And so like, who's going to blink first and like, they, they're just, they're, they're fighting over a shrinking pie and it just, it just feels like a scary time. Yeah. It's the epitome of too much of a good thing. Mm. Yeah. The one other part of this I want to bring up is that apparently after these negotiations broke down, the AMPTP, they like released their terms to the public. So they were like, hey, th this is everything that we agreed to and this is everything that we asked for. So I think that kind of serves two purposes and, or illustrates two things rather. Um, 
through what we we glean from their terms is that it seems like the money is not the issue. It seems like they made a lot of concessions when it came to how much the writers would be making. Uh, it seems like it's still the the issues that are not being resolved here revolve around the technology. They revolve around mm-hmm. the AI as well as, uh, you know, what I guess just like when it comes to writer's room, when it comes to like a a streaming service or like a limited series or whatever. So I, I think it illustrates the point that the producers are willing to make concessions, but at the same time, it kind of gives me the impression that they were never really going in there to negotiate. They were kind of trying to strong arm and like have a standoff and they weren't going to make any concessions after that point. So um, I do think we're going to have to start to see a little bit of wiggle room from the writers, but we, we all know who the bad guys are here and it's still <laughs> the producers. <laughs> so everything changes all the time. So you work in a place, you have to adopt change because change is how we move forward. And we're talking about Hollywood not changing. We're talking about wanting mm. them to stay the same way they've always been. And I'm not making this point for one side or the other. It's just a thought that struck me that it, this is super interesting that um, like I listened to the Parks and Recollection podcast because I love that show. Mm. And that's, you know, it's on hiatus right now because now it's caught up to the strike timeline. And, um, you know, the writer's assistant, Greg, that's on the show, he talks about the writer's room and all these people that were in it. And I don't know, it's just very interesting that I'm sure they want to adopt the change to a point. I think that's the impasse, right? But this is something that almost, we almost don't want it to change because Mm -hmm. this is how things are created. I don't know. It's such an interesting conundrum. That was a ramble. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, it goes back. I think that my first reaction to this writer strike, our like second episode when they first announced it uh, (laughs) was, was like, I don't know, pushing them back against AI and like the changes in the technology is just, it's not possible in the long run. Eventually it's going to happen. Eventually these tools will be used and these things will change. And like the industry is going to have to change and grow with time. Uh, It's just a matter of like how that's done ethically and protecting the art form. And like, I don't know. Part of me is like some studios are going to use AI to make stuff. It's probably true. But then like, I would hope that us humans could tell that when we're connecting to other humans that are creating stuff versus like sort of just regurgitated stuff. But, but then again, I, so much of TV is so regurgitated and it's like, I don't know, man, it's, it's tough. I feel like the people who are really creating stuff will never be really replaced, but the whole like middle class of, writers and actors could get like swallowed up by AI eventually, you know? Yeah. Like um, AI terrible. could write a new CSI network show. Oh, for but sure. But it couldn't write a Barbie. Like it couldn't write sure. a right. movie. Sure. Yeah. And so where's the, where's the middle there? I, that's crazy. I don't yeah, know. Well, well, my understanding is that the writers want like a full on ban on AI where, right. Um, sure. I think the producers have made concessions. Like, like we kind of mentioned, it's like a human will always be credited. And if, you know, if an AI sub- script is submitted and you're hired to do a rewrite on that or something like that, that's not going to impact like what you get paid just because there's AI involved. So again, um, kind of to your point, Matt, and like we've talked about on this show many times, I, I do think the writers are going to have to, you know, concede a little bit and accept that for better or for worse, AI is a tool to be utilized, but we do have to be very mindful and ethical about, you know, what what uh, restraints we, we put on it. Such a reductive yeah. thing to be like, hey, this machine's going to write this and then like you, you take a pass. And yet, yeah, is it weird. different than 
one writer taking a pass and then a next writer ta- I, you know it's just oh my gosh it's such a weird ethical yeah craziness yeah yeah the writer's room thing is another big impasse too that you mentioned a little bit ago scotty it's that mm, idea yeah. of like how are you paying somebody for their work writers are traditionally hired for a set amount of time to make a mm. thing so the proposal of a writer's room sort of being limited to a daily rate that's a pretty big sticking point because if yeah. you're a writer you don't want to hear that it's like well you're going to bring me in like three days and pay me this measly amount of money for my work or are you going to give me that job security of being able to be in a room and commit to a project sure that's going to be just as much of an impasse as the AI thing, I think, on some mm. level. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to me, that's not, like, I don't know. I think that I just have two very different sides of myself that are, like, totally on board with, like, I, the writers know their business better than me. Like, you know, I I think that, like, that if they're asking for these things, it probably is thing, are things that really matter. And then there's part of me that just says, like, well, yeah, some shows won't have writer rooms, but if shows can function well without writer rooms. It's something that they'll learn and then shows will over time adapt. If like you're, if it's still making good television, maybe writer's rooms weren't, maybe writer's rooms were wasteful in some show on some shows. Maybe they don't always need to be a room. Maybe it was better to be done over slack or whatever, you know, like who knows? Mm. Like there may be, there may be other ways than everybody sitting in a room or the opposite is true. If they're right, the shows with writer rooms will succeed and the shows without will fail because writer rooms are either important or they're not. You know what I'm saying? I, it's just, it's just, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a, I have two, I'm of two minds on all this stuff. Yeah. Well, and you say makes for a good show. That's so subjective. Sure. What a yeah. good show is to me isn't yeah. necessarily what my parents think is a good show. And there's right. a lot of really crappy TV out there that some people really love. And uh, that's great. That's fine. I don't care, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> Such a weird thing. Ugh. Yeah. Well, and and you mentioned the CSIs can be like infinitely recreated. Like up until you know the mid '90s, shows didn't have overarching plots and things like that. And like they were just these like cut and paste stories that were sort of like placed over each other. And then you've got like the way AI works when it pulls from a thousand different images and makes a new image, you know, like you've got that, that sort of concept. And what if it's doing that with stories? It's pulling from, we, you get these like reports all the time. Oh, that movie was a ripoff of this book. That was a small book that no one knew about. And they stole it and made this movie out of it now and just changed all the names. Basically all the characters were the same and people complain mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff. But like AI could easily do that. And like it's happening even when real writers are doing it. So I, I just don't even know. It's like, it's very, it's complex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, up next, Marvel Studios has released a trailer for Marvel Studios: The Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline. What a what a what a mouthful of a name! <laughs> um, two colons. I, I don't feel like you should never get two colons. I'm sorry. This is like a Mission Impossible: Dead yeah. Reckoning Part Two situation. Or yeah, part it one really situation. is. It really is. Watch your mouth, Jay. It's a new coffee table book that serves as an official guide to the MCU timeline. The 344-page book contains exclusive infographics, timelines, and stills that aim to be the go-to resource for fans and filmmakers who are hoping to connect the dots and truly understand the web of interconnection between the different Marvel Studios movies and streaming series. 
It will deconstruct every moment from the 15-year history of the MCU and cover everything from the first film with 2008's Iron Man to the upcoming second season of the Disney Plus series, Loki, and is available for pre-order, releasing October 24th. How are we feeling uh, about getting an official timeline for the MCU, and is this a worthy addition deserving a place in the collector's stash? I'm somebody who likes to have a coffee table book, don't get me wrong, but I like them to be evergreen, and the thing that stresses me out about this book is that (laughs) it's only through Loki season two, and I'm like, excuse me? Um, We're not done yet here, and I don't know, they'll probably do a series of it, but I'm too OCD and completionist to buy one book, and hopefully, you don't know, is it going to be part of more series? Uh, it's, It's not, it doesn't work for me. However, people seem very, very excited about that, and I get it. I saw the trailer and kind of the glimpses, and they're going to probably give us a lot of really cool behind-the-scenes stuff, which I do love. So, you know, I'm going to be one of two minds on this. We'll see which one wins. (laughs) (laughs) We all have two wolves within us this week. Yeah. (laughs) Two loath wolves. Two loath wolves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I was growing up, I had this, like, Marvel character encyclopedia and it was like one of my favorite books to go grab and just kind of thumb through and like really helped like me become a fan of these characters and especially when the movie started coming back it was or coming out I was like oh I have you know some idea of who this character is long before the the days of like Wikipedia being you know something people accessed every day but like my big thing on this is like I'm excited about the exclusive content like these infographics the stills and and stuff like that that we've never seen before as an mcu completionist i'm excited about that but the one thing that i'm like simultaneously like hopeful and a little like stressed out about is like okay so spider-man homecoming is one of my favorite mcu movies but it's always had that problem where it like we see the opening (laughs) scene take place in 2012 and then it says eight years later and Uh i've never (laughs) been able to like rectify that that in my mind i don't know if feige's been on record to like (laughs) fix that and then you throw in there the fact that like retroactively they made uh you know peter parker that kid that showed up in iron man 2 so i'm just curious if we're gonna get an answer that satisfies when it comes to how this timeline actually all factors together or if it's going to be another one of those situations where like afterwards we're like we kind of hate it like it's going to be another scrody situation we're like no this doesn't add up this is ruining what i what i enjoyed previously (laughs) from what i understand that that particular thing was just said that it was a mistake Okay. Like the the eight years was just wrong. Like it's just straight okay. up wrong. Like I think the filmmaker came out and was like, "Yeah, we just like put the wrong number." And it's like, <laughs> oh "What are God. you doing? Like how?" Because that, that uh, if you just take that one thing, the eight years later, it all works. But it's like, yeah, yeah but that's you put eight kind years later on the screen. That's yeah. a real big mistake. Yeah. Quill is mad about this, these mistakes. As he should be. It's Continuity errors. He's probably mad because he's either a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or The Defenders, which probably will not get Ooh. mentioned to this and will make a lot of people so mad. Like, people are going to be like, wait, I thought it was always MCU or whatever. And uh, people are still getting in arguments about that. Like, no, the Matt Murdock from here is the Matt Murdock in the new one. And, like, uh, everybody thinks, like, Jessica Jones is going to show up in every property for the past eight years or whatever. And, like, <laughs> and they always think, like, Chloe Bennett's going to show up and be like, oh, yeah, Agents of 
shield was real or whatever. And, and, and like, don't don't come at me. me, okay? Like, I know there's people who listen to this and they're and they're writing a one star review right now. Yeah, like, Ace right. of Shield is MCU canon uh, or whatever. But I'm just saying, like, this book is probably not going to mention those two things, and people are going to be big mad about it. I, lo- I love the Agents of Shield is real. Like somehow it's like a Mandela effect situation. Like we all dreamed it. Like no, it's real. It's in this well, book. Part of it was. Part of it wasn't. So are they going to put part of Agents of Shield in there? Like the first. What is I it? can almost guarantee they will ignore every Through the second Winter of it. Soldier stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to ignore uh, because it wasn't in any I of the trailer. Banned like, books list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> banned books. Uh, I. Uh, that that's the thing that bothers me most about this is that the defenders and Agents of Shield, I mean, and other shows that were in the MCU canon prior are not going to be in this. And what is kind of impressive though about this book is the fact that um, it's uh, we get this all the time. Like you, you look up the Fast and the Furious series and try to find out like wait what happens when, and they'll have like a graphic, and it's like a graphic. You know, it's like a, th- a one single picture on a web page that shows you, here's how the uh, Fast and Furious movies lay out. You know, part three, the ending of part three happens before part four. And this one, you know, a couple little things at a time. This is such a complicated universe. They're taking 344 pages to expound <laughs> on the timeline. Because I've seen some of these timelines go around like, here's the definitive MCU timeline. And it's so complicated, you can't fit it on one page. And the fact that they expanded that to 344 pages is kind of amazing. <laughs> I mean, you could buy it to have for like self defense if somebody breaks into your house. <laughs> yeah. Pick it up and smack them up in the head with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I bet it's a hefty kid. <laughs> I, I bet it is. I bet it is. I think you're right, though, Haley. They definitely should have waited till the end of a phase. It just makes sure. sense. Like, yeah, this is not okay with me. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, you know what it made me think because uh, there was a, it said in the article or in the, in the, in the news there that, um, it was made for fans and for uh, filmmakers, oh, right. <laughs> which, is, right. which I think is very funny. Uh, but it made me think, like, you know, they had that meeting a few months ago, or like it was like six months a year ago, where all of the people went out to discuss. Like, they did a retreat for all the creators of MCU to discuss how the multiverse was going to work, like make some definitive rules around the multiverse. And mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if they went out to that retreat and they were like, "All right, we just need a really good reference guide. Can someone make that?" And like. Oh, just publish it. Just publish it. It's fine. <laughs> Those shills, they'll buy it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we made it for in-house, but it's fine. You know they'll buy that. Come on. <laughs> it's also annoying. Like the IGN article is like, or Marvel Studios laying out complete MCU timeline. And I'm like, it's not complete. It can't be complete. Mm. We're not done yet. <laughs> Why are you doing this false advertising? You're, I'm, I'm very mad about this. Uh, yeah. You have the Marvels coming out like less than a month after it comes out. Yeah. How very dare you? <laughs> how very dare you? I had a Star Trek seen it. I bought it in like 2008. And it was at that point, it was all five Star Trek series and all the movies. So it was like all of the Star Trek that existed. And it was like, and it had been off the air for like 10 years. So it just felt like, yeah, I got all of Star Trek, seen it. And then they started coming out with like the 2009 Star Trek movie. And then like, (laughs) then they continued making it on television. And now I have this thing. that's like a relic of like, this is like my childhood Star Trek, seen it. And now there's all this other stuff. You know they're not going to do another book either. So you're going to buy this, and then they're going to keep making Marvel movies, and then someday 
someday they're going to be like, all right, end of the MCU, and you're going to be looking at that book with such rage every day sitting on your bookshelf. <laughs> so and you're going to be like, it's not done. They told this whole other story afterwards. <laughs> we'll be in nursing homes, like, clutching it, like, oh, they told us we'd get more. <laughs> Haley has, like, little notes and scribbles where yeah. all these, she's adding in all the notes. When I'm in the asylum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got your walls are covered in it like the Joker or something. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's a magical series. <laughs> Haley adds in every episode of Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all the events that happen. Like, with notebook paper, I am kind of a hypocrite because I did just buy the, the Star Wars timelines book, but I feel like that's different because Star Wars went through the whole Disney canon change and stuff, so I don't know. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's necessary <laughs> with Star Wars. It's like, what's canon? I don't know. You want to talk about getting crazy, let's talk about the Star Wars timeline. Oh, man. You want to get crazy. We can get crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because news is so thin, Haley's going to read out of the Star Wars timelines. (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching so many, like, retrospectives on Ahsoka, like, her character arc, just to try to, because see what anything, if I've missed anything, since now I watched all of Rebels. And so, yeah, I've been watching a lot of, like, Star Wars timeline uh, YouTube videos this week. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's challenging. It is, it is. Um, and we're going to be talking about it tomorrow. I'm excited. I know. Woo! Everybody, uh, if, you, if you listen to this show, you should definitely come and listen, and you like Star Wars. Come listen to me and Haley and Ashley Coffin talk about uh, uh, Ahsoka on Pandavision. That's the name of the show. Pandavision. <laughs> come join us. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, up next... 2023 has been an eventful year for the film industry with Barbenheimer and the strikes, but with only a handful of releases left to still await this year, we're looking ahead to 2024 to give our impressions and anticipation for next year's releases. And we're just going to go down uh, and just talk about some different releases that we're excited about and uh, kind of those, how those break down. I'll kick things off. So we've already talked about Dune 2. Had we not, that would have been my my first choice there now that it's uh, releasing in March. But the next one on the slate is the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which is scheduled for release in May of 2024. And, uh, you know, I have not had opportunities to talk about Planet of the Apes, but I, I really, really enjoy Planet of the Apes, whether it's the you know, going all the way back to the original series that started in the 60s with Charleston Heston. Like, I really think that's like, peak sci-fi like just mm-hmm. concept alone and execution like the way they interweave like time travel and paradoxes and just you know having this alternate society and, and having it all you know tie back to being on earth and seeing the fall of humanity i just think it's it's a really rich uh concept and world so uh you know west ball i i saw the first maze runner film and i thought it was it was pretty competently made uh i think that's when we were kind of in a glut of uh ya young adult adaptations like i think the divergent series was happening as well so i did find myself a little burnt out like uh, i liked the hunger games but i kind of i fell off of the hunger games after like the second movie there but um that being said everything i've heard from west ball it seems like he is pretty excited uh, to tackle this, and I know um, I don't have any of the cast uh, on hand right now, but I, I do think they have a pretty talented cast, and uh, I'm just excited to, you know, get more Planet of the Apes. I don't know how connected this is going to be to the previous trilogy we saw with Andy Serkis, but my understanding is that it's going to exist in that same world without necessarily being absolutely beholden to it. 
That's awesome. I hadn't really, I didn't know this was coming, and I was kind of bummed because we never got to do Avengers Assemble about these. Um, mm. So maybe we'll take this as an opportunity. Jay Scotty, you in? Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'm let's putting together a team <laughs> of apes. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, you know what? I, I did the to. Darth Vader quote earlier, but I totally could have done Caesar from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same same no. <laughs> it's a little different. No, no, no. It's, it's a, little a little different. It's different. It's the different. Darth Vader's much more guttural. <laughs> yeah. Darth Vader's just so like monotone and like no. <laughs> it's just it's so it's such a cartoon. It's so weird. Uh, on the Spotify <laughs> poll this week, which no do you prefer? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And yes. just put no with like five uh, five right. O's, and they have to decide which is which. We, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna give you guys some no's to choose from on the Spotify <laughs> poll. You let us know which, which your favorite no in cinema let history. No. <laughs> and we're not gonna put like the reference. You just have to figure. No, it no, out yeah, you have to guess which it. one is which. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I am of course excited to see Mission Impossible <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part Two. Jay, <laughs> all them colons. Yeah, so but you were getting mad as you were saying it. You're like, "This is a long title." I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> you almost give up halfway through. I saw it. I'm getting winded. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, it's not really that bad. And actually, it's uh, a colon and a hyphen, so just chill out. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Although we didn't type it that way. Um, yeah, no, I, I still think about the one that came out this year, part one. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed the the big bad being AI. Like, it was so cool that they were making this movie four years ago before AI dominated our news feed like it does every single day now. And so it's mm-hmm. it just to me that was really cool because it's like oh they were telling the future and they didn't even know it uh back during covid and I just think it was a, a Tom Cruise movie super well made super rich cast like we Scotty and Matt and I had the best time casting about those movies mm-hmm. and it's just like I want to go to the theater and watch a movie like that all the time mm. And send Jay Tom Cruise reels on Instagram because he's <laughs> <laughs> what a like probably one of my favorite people on the planet just to follow yeah. just because he's the strangest person I've ever he's seen. So in my odd, life. but oh. he makes damn good movies. <laughs> is, he, is he on like social media? Oh, he's on Instagram. That sounds no, fun. but it's mostly just clips of him like being himself. Yeah, and it's like, do you know how to be a person? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I I heard like secondhand. I was watching some YouTube channel from this guy that lived in LA and said he ran into Tom Cruise at a dog park and like he was the most down to earth guy. So I just think it's once the camera goes on, he's just like gone. He's like, oh, I'm here for the audience. I'm here for the people. He had this really bizarre clip of him like trying to promote movies and he was eating popcorn and he was like, I love movies. I love popcorn. Like clearly. And I was like, he for sure spit all that back out in a napkin. As soon as the camera went off, like he had no clue how to eat popcorn at all. (laughs) I think that he's mellowed, but like, do you guys know the Rob Lowe story about Tom Cruise and his Mm -mm. character, Chris Traeger on Parks and Rec? He no. modeled Chris Traeger on Tom Cruise from when oh, he and Tom Cruise I, were in The Outsiders together. I love that. Oh, oh it's wow. so funny. He's like, we were out, because they were like super young back then, right? Yeah. So we were out at a restaurant, and Tom is like, 
I'd like a glass of water. I'd like to be cold. I'd like to have no ice. I'd like to be in a tall glass. And like that is the Chris Trayer character. That's amazing. Oh my god, it's so funny. I think it was Seth Rogen came out too, like recently, and said that they told Tom Cruise about the existence of internet porn, and this was like four years ago, and he had yes. no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> like he was like, "What? That's on what? What is that? What is on the internet? Like what?" Was like, it was no, like they told him real. for the first time. I was like, <laughs> "It's like that's the kind of guy he is, man. He's just locked in. He's making movies all the time." He, doesn't focus on anything else well i always hear that about celebrities in general like that they just have no like knowledge of the internet a lot of them especially <laughs> like those of a certain age because like i mean who would want to yeah it's too well, much right yeah if you if you live like internet is sort of escapism and if you live in the world they live in where everything's done for you and you just start just having your life be your life <laughs> like whatever you want it to be at all times like why are you why are you scrolling instagram you know your escapism is just sitting on a couch staring <laughs> at a wall like, yeah not talking to anybody pretending to eat popcorn <laughs> <laughs> Well, getting back to this 2024 slate, I am pretty intrigued by Furiosa, which comes out yeah. in May. That is the Mad Max Fury Road prequel. Uh, Charlize Theron's character uh, is going to be the focus of this movie, but Anya Taylor-Joy is going to be playing a younger version of her. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is also attached to star in this movie. And I really liked Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I thought it was, uh, like, it stuck with me. I thought it was really interesting. And I I love Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, I think she's just like kind of at the height of her powers right now. And um, I think she could like with the right writing group and the right, um, the right group of uh, talent around her, this could be a really cool and interesting expansion of that universe. So I'm pretty pumped about that one. Yeah. That, looks, that sounds really great. I'm, I, I didn't even know uh, it was a prequel. I heard they would make it a Furiosa and I assumed they would make it with the same actress and just continue the story. Yeah. Um, but that's uh that's, that's actually kind of more interesting in a way. Um, cool. Um, man, picking one is not going to be possible. So I'm going to pick six and it's the fact, (laughs) the fact that there are, uh, there are six Marvel movies coming out next year. Uh, not all Marvel studios, of course. Uh, there's three Marvel studios, which is, you know, uh, they've only done one, one year where they did, did four, but this is one, you know, one of their, their, Going full force next year uh, with Deadpool 3, Captain America, Brave New World, and Thunderbolts. All three I'm really, really excited about. But I've just been more excited for Deadpool 3 since Deadpool became a thing. Since it was even in its inception, we first saw those first Ryan Reynolds clips before, you know, that first reel or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have been excited for that version of Deadpool to join the MCU. And it was like, we didn't think it could happen. That was like, whatever, 10 years ago. And we were like, oh, well, you know, that's a different universe, Fox, blah, blah, blah. And now they just own it and it's theirs and they're bringing him in. And I, I cannot wait to hear Ryan Reynolds come in and like, I don't know, take the piss out of the MCU and, and like actually just break the fourth wall the whole time and just have a, have a great time. Like I really, really can't wait for this movie. And it sounds like they're also going to connect it to tons of other, um, you know, Fox properties and, who knows what else? I'm guessing we'll see some Fantastic Four in there from the past. Who knows? Like I just I have a feeling they're just gonna take every Fox property and, and jam it in there and then also cross it over the MCU. It's it, it's gonna be like like we've seen with uh No Way Home, uh where where you know we're seeing these universes get to collide together. I'm I'm excited about it. And I and I just trust the team that has been making the Deadpool movies, that they're going to do it well. We've seen it done really well, and we've seen it done, I think, kind of poorly with The Flash, where you take these multiple universes and splash them together. 
that's maybe not fair. I think the way they put them together was okay. I just don't, I didn't love the movie. Um, I, I, but I still loved revisiting those worlds. Even, even with me not liking that movie that much, I still loved seeing those worlds smash together. So I'm just really excited for Deadpool three, but the other three Marvel movies are like Madam Web, Venom three and Craven are all coming out next year. Um, and, if anybody listened to the MCU cast recently, I had an episode where basically I just ended up defending the Sony verse to Jeff because he hasn't seen any of it. Um, I think maybe he saw the first Venom, and I ended up defending it to Jeff for like 30 minutes and realized that I'm really excited about where it's going. Like, I'm really, really excited about what's happening in the Sony verse. I think they're actually balancing their, um, the way they're teasing things is actually getting kind of exciting for me. Like they're doing a good job of being like, Hey, this exists and this is happening. And this is good. And like, even though I don't like all the movies necessarily the most, like it's, I'm kind of excited to see whatever they do with this crossover, you know, hmm. I'm pumped for that. Now, do we want to talk about our least anticipated properties of 2024? Ooh, <laughs> this is where we lose the audience. <laughs> Everybody's queuing up those one star reviews, get ready to, to bomb us. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll uh, I'll kick things off again here, and this one I didn't even know it was not on my radar in any way until I took a list uh, took a look at this list that uh, Jay compiled for us. And it, for me, it, it's not even like an act of dislike or like hate or anything like that. It's just I I could not be more apathetic about the Mufasa, uh, the Mufasa mm. movie, the Lion King prequel that's coming out in July. Uh, I was initially pretty excited for that that Lion King live action adaptation that came out a few years ago, but it didn't do anything for me. It was pretty lifeless and it was just beat for beat the animated movie, but not as good. So mm-hmm. I know it did gangbusters at the box office, so it makes sense that they would want to do a prequel, but it's, I, I remember saying this when we talked about Lord of the Rings, like way back when is like, is nothing sacred? Do we really need this? Hmm. I won't be supporting this one <laughs> with my, with my wallet. Just asking for the Mufasa <laughs> prequel like hey the the lion king uh that quote-unquote live action whatever uh made over a billion so you know disney saw that and they were like well clearly everyone wants a mufasa sequel (laughs) (laughs) that's the natural progression even though i don't know of a whole lot of people that even liked that movie (laughs) but it somehow made over a billion dollars I'm just wondering how are they going to incorporate like the you know they're going to incorporate the circle of life into the marketing it's like before the circle had made its first (laughs) rotation there was Mufasa. <laughs> There's some characters I just don't need backstory on. Like we're cool. We're we're yeah, I promise yeah. we're cool. I don't need more yeah. backstory on you. We're cool. <laughs> I am gonna have to see a lot of these kids' movies. I'm just you know, I got I got kids and I'm gonna have to go see Despicable Me Four. Um I'm gonna have to go see um like Sonic Three, you know, all these big sequels. But the one I'm probably least excited about having to go see is Garfield, which comes out in May, because <laughs> I'll give the audience one guess as to who you think is voicing Garfield. And if you guessed Chris Pratt, you were right. Because of course he is. Because of course of everyone in Hollywood we're having Chris Pratt voice Garfield. He's making that studio money. Oh my gosh, he is just, he's going to work every day in his pajamas doing voiceovers. He's Mario, he's Garfield. I mean, he's, 
Emmett from the Lego movie. They're, yeah, they're they're all his voice though. Like it's just his voice. Like Mario is just him, and I know Garfield is just going to be him. Like I know it's just going to sound like Chris Pratt. Hey, hey, man, I I, I hate Mondays, <laughs> and I like lasagna, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why would he get those abs to just start doing all cartoons? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's like doing crunches while he's in the voice studio. You know, he's yeah, like, yeah, he's, yeah. He's got a he's like on like an ab roller or something while he's doing it or like a bow flex <laughs> you know what my least my least uh, excited i think for is twisters oh. um yeah which is a twister sequel slash reboot you know it, it's the same thing of like who's asking for this but it's all added to it is like they're using the naming convention from alien and aliens like that's <laughs> such a cool like singular naming convention and for them to do it here makes me feel like it's going to be cool or, or like but plural <laughs> Rules. Uh, th- that movie had more than one tornado in it. Like I don't, I don't know. I, it's a twister. <laughs> is it just a remake or like what's the? I always thought that movie was really reaching to give it as good of a plot as it had because it's like I weather scientists. <laughs> I know, I do too. That's what I'm saying. Like they do a really good job. If you told me you were gonna make a movie about tornadoes and they're the bad guy, like I'm like, wow, no, you can't do that unless you put sharks in it. That's how what we've learned. But like. <laughs> Like they did it, they somehow came up with this idea that these meteorologists like had were were like they were like it was like they were heroes. They were fighting for the greater good. They had passion. They had like all the, like that movie was great. But I don't know how you do it again unless you're doing the same sort of thing. Maybe I don't know. I'm I don't know how you come up with a second movie about tornadoes mm-hmm. where they're the they're the only like antagonist. I don't know. <laughs> so Matt, I hate to correct you, but I think you've misunderstood what this sequel exactly is. It's actually like a crossover with Mattel. You know, they have their whole brand that they're doing. So it's it's Twister the board game meets Twister, <laughs> i.e. Twisters. Wait, Stop it. I'll see myself out. <laughs> You're fired, Scotty. It's actually it's actually called Twister X Twister. <laughs> oh God. Which I think I'm. By the way, I, I think I just made that joke, and we all laughed. But like, I think we're gonna. It's not it hit the editing room floor by now. But like, Godzilla X Kong. They're named the movie Godzilla yeah. X Kong <laughs> yeah, instead of gonna, Godzilla V Kong or Godzilla Plus Kong would have been fine. You gotta take it up with Legendary Pictures, okay? <laughs> yeah, Godzilla X Kong is impossible to read in a story, so I hate it. I hate it so much, <laughs> purely for my role on this podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. Um. Yes, it is. Okay, mine's a toss-up between, well, there's several, but since you took <laughs> Twisters, which I'm glad you did, because stop it. Um, <laughs> it's a toss-up between Beetlejuice 2, which I really hate that they're doing that, and I know I mentioned it back when it was just like first announced, or the Wicked movie musical, because if there's one thing I hate, it's this, like, let's make pop stars sing broadway songs that weren't written for their voices okay i think wicked is winning you know what beetlejuice you're fine <laughs> i just <laughs> i'll catch that on streaming at least <laughs> dip your toe in and decide which one you hate and more they're making it two parts oh god ariana grande i'm sorry she's fine whatever she's not chris and jenna worth and i just <sighs> i do I'm love ariana grande though I really yeah, she's do. cute, but come on, that... she's, got a, she's got a great voice too. I'm not she saying does, she's Kristen, but Jenner like it's so not. different. It's so like, different. Kristen was trained in operas. I just I can't deal with it. It Stresses me out. 
Uh, Gladiator 2 is coming out next year, and Pedro Pascal's <laughs> in it. <laughs> well done. Yeah, you mentioned Pedro. It's been a while. I feel like we don't do yeah, it enough. I had to get it in. Yeah, he hasn't been in the news as much. Oh, speaking of Bingers Assemble that we did, we should also do an alien Bingers Assemble. Like, they're doing an untitled alien movie next year. <laughs> right. I'm excited for that. <laughs> was The last one we got was uh, Covenant, right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, which I haven't seen. I don't think I haven't seen anything since Prometheus. I actually haven't even seen Prometheus. Like, for whatever reason, I fell off, and I haven't just gone back. And so I want to go back and see them all. So we should do Avengers on those, too. Anybody in? I'm putting together a team again. <laughs> uh, Mr. Carroll, I'm going to back off doing Avengers Assemble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get they, it gets a little hectic when we do this. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we got a Spotify poll. Yeah. I hear what do we got, Jay? <laughs> All right. So this week we asked about the Ahsoka primetime spot and if we mm. thought that that was a good idea. And we gave the voters three options to the question, do you prefer Disney Plus drop their shows late night or in primetime? Uh, 22% of the vote, which was the lowest, said late night, which is the way that it had been done before. 34% of the voters said that they liked the primetime. And then 42% of the voters said that it just doesn't really affect them. They don't really care. Mm. So really, the the even the two that were opposed to each other were kind of close. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. like sounds like at least for our audience, it, uh, they can't really go wrong. Uh, okay, well we've got a couple more stories for the lightning round. Are you guys ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. Oh yeah, let's do it. You guys know the rules of the lightning round. I'm gonna say a story, and you use your names to chime in uh, and say and take and claim that story, and you get one rebuttal if you don't aren't the first to ring in for the entire lightning round. So. Use them wisely. Up first, Barbie has officially passed the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie to become the highest grossing film in North America of, of 2023. Haley, I just continue to be so glad for this movie. I was listening to the soundtrack today at work because I needed like a little uplifting kind of music day. And I, I'm glad that this movie has resonated in ways I don't know that they were expecting it to, even though Greta Gerwig knew she was making something very different and very unique and something that was going to surprise people when they saw it. Is uh, Ariana Grande on that soundtrack? <laughs> she is, That's your she? rebuttal, Jay, and now you're done. <laughs> Jay's had a rebuttal. That's at least a tiny butt. Come on. It's worth it. Fine, you it's get one it. tiny butt. <laughs> And no, she's not. <laughs> Up next, Adult Swim animated series Rick and Morty will officially begin its seventh season on October. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Discussages in October. Sounds like a fragrance, October. <laughs> October. <laughs> Make sure in the Octobier ad, and I can't get it out of my head, and I gotta say it, or it's not gonna come out of my head. I'm picturing Chris Pratt's abs, you know, like, it's, it's like a Dior ad, but he's like in Italy or something. And, uh, <laughs> All right, yes. go ahead. All right, uh, Adult Swim animated series Rick and Morty will officially begin its seventh season on a. October 15th, uh, the new season will also be available to stream on Max and Hulu in its entirety sometime in 2024. Scotty. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, we knew this season was coming. We got a trailer, and uh, I guess I guess my question here is, like, it says it's going to be available to stream on Max and Hulu. How long is that going to be the case? Are we going to start to see past seasons get removed and cost-cutting measures? But uh, the other thing I want to talk about is um, we did get the news that, so in the wake of Adult Swim cutting ties with Justin Roiland, Uh, We got Solar Opposites, we got the fourth season already, and we knew that Dan Stevens was going to step into the role of Corvo, but with Rick and Morty, we didn't really know what they were going to do, and we have got the confirmation that they're just going to be using sound-alikes, and when we got that trailer, we got to hear what what those performances sound like, and uh, it really, I can't tell a difference at all, so um, I'm a little bit behind when it comes to Rick and Morty, but uh, it does give me um, some hope that at least the continuity... Uh, will still be there when I do finally catch up. Rebuttal. Okay. It gives it gives me hope uh, for the show for sure because I do think that like uh, it would be weird if the voices changed too much. They're just so signature. But uh, it like I don't know how the whole Justin Rowling thing shook out. I think he was absolved of the he, charges. He was. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't. I, yeah. Okay. So. So. He, so. So he's not canceled, uh, right? I don't. I don't. The studios launched some hit pieces for sure. Yeah. Like they were like, this guy was dragging us down. He was like never at work. He like never contributed. You know. So they definitely like took their shots. Yeah. So okay. he wasn't found guilty in a court of law, but he was still effectively like, yeah, we don't like this guy. He's a he's a tool. Oh, gotcha. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought there were other allegations or something. Anyway, so whatever about him and his personal or professional life, but like just from like an empathy thing, like it's got to be so weird because those characters came from him. It's like like his his original shorts with him doing Doc and Marty, and like it it just feels so weird for him to be doing both of those characters for that long, and like them to be so signature and his and then just be like get guys that sound like him like it just feels so weird to me um like it feels like that would feel terrible as justin roiland you know yeah Yeah. i want to get on this one real quick too like i think this is a really pivotal season for this show because it it it, it's beginning when it was like at its height of its powers every episode was so good and like like some of the most classic episodes of that show they everyone just drew you in but um these past couple seasons it's been kind of a tale of two episodes it's like the episodes are really kind of forgettable and don't really hit or they're just like great like you you watch it and you're just like that that was a Rick and Morty episode you know so mm. it they still have it i mean the the show still has it it's just can we capture that in a whole season and i think this season with feeling like it's a fresh thing new new person new voice like all of that it does feel in a way like we're trying to attack it and make it a new thing and so to me i, I think this is a really really important season for this show mm, absolutely anytime you change creative team it's always yeah. like how is this going to hit? And especially if you've had that sort of like spotty history already, like how is this going to hit? It, it was like the biggest show in the world there for a little while. Yeah. Was, and it does feel like it's it, animation just takes so long to make. It always feels like it's just a little, like I feel like I'm waiting on it forever. We always talk about Justin Roiland and his connection to the show, but it, I think people forget that Dan Harmon is also a co-creator. So you bringing up oh, that yeah. point makes me think about community in season four, how they dismissed Dan Harmon, but after season mm. four, they brought him right back. So I, yeah. I don't yeah. see that happening with the series, but you know, maybe, maybe it could. I, I do think that Justin Rollins is, is a really talented creator. And I think he, like he, a lot of like all those, um, 
intergalactic cable or what is it called? Uh, interdimensional cable. Interdimensional cable episodes where it's you can tell it's just like and Dan Harmon's involved in a lot of those too. It's like Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland and they're just like BSing into the microphone and then oh, they yeah. animate it or whatever. Like those yeah. are amazing episodes and those are just like pure off the dome stuff a lot of times and right uh, and stuff like that. I, I just you can have a perfect sound alike and there's no way to capture that sort of like visceral improvisation that sure. uh, Royland was doing. Um, and yeah, I, I love Dan Harmon and um, I really uh, like, I like his influence on that show too, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, up next, uh, Gran Turismo took the number one spot at the domestic box office this weekend with a muted $17.3 million outing. Blue Beetle took third place behind Barbie with a $12.8 million take domestically, a drop of nearly 50%. Jay, um, this, uh, these aren't very good numbers for anybody, but Barbie, I mean, Barbie's and to be pulling in that much money still this late into your run just shows its dominance. I think this movie will end up being the biggest movie in the world. It'll probably pass Mario brothers worldwide at some point, uh, here in the mm. next couple weeks, uh, Gran Turismo, like, yeah, that's not a good start for a movie uh, to 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 uh, be making that much, especially on its opening weekend. And Blue Beetle, we kind of talked about that this was the expectation that it would drop off about forty to fifty percent, probably in its second weekend, and that's what happened. So um, again, it's it's we're just kind of seeing it play out the way that we thought it would play out. And uh, if you are DC, I think you're probably thinking about how can we get the word of mouth. Unfortunately, word of mouth is oftentimes best generated by the talent, which can't promote it. So they're kind of in a tight spot a little bit. If people aren't going to go see it, they're just not going to go see it. I'll chime in with a rebuttal. I think one of the things that's important to note about this weekend is that it was the second uh, annual National Cinema Day. So on Sunday, tickets were only $4. So you have to kind of take that into consideration with these, Mm. these, these box office totals. But even taking that into account i i do agree with what you brought up here jay like obviously uh these movies are not doing as well as these studios would would hope that they would but um again just to kind of you know have a little bit of positivity for dc and blue beetle again we've talked about how that budget was you know a little more restrained than we than we usually see from uh from superhero properties i think we said what 104 million dollars so while it is not great it's not like the unmitigated disaster that we've seen with with other movies like the flash yeah for sure all Mm. tiny but about gran turismo they like pushed their release date yeah and i don't i think that gamble did not pay off for them because Mm. i don't know if they didn't want to conflict with blue beetle or i don't remember when it was supposed to come out but i know i was sick to death of seeing those previews and i was like i feel like i've seen the whole movie like i get it you know, mm. and I they I just think they played their hand way too long. Yeah. Up next, Arlene Sorkin, the original voice of Harley Quinn from Batman the Animated Series, has passed away at the age of sixty seven. Scotty. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Oh yeah. Well, I just want to say, like, I am this this is terrible news. Uh I her voice is a like signature voice of my childhood. Like, and the fact that she created this character, you know, like uh, along with the writers and directors of that show, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's really, really amazing. Um, and like, like, like she's one of those characters that didn't even start in comics. They started right, right there on the animated series and then went to comics. Like that's, yeah. it's a rarity and that's so cool. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for her voice. I really don't, 
I really don't believe. Like her voice is so signature and so uh, just owns that character from the very beginning. And uh, I, I, yeah, that's a terrible loss. Yeah, I'll just I'll just tack on and say like sixty seven is is way too young. I don't know the cause of death, but condolences to her friends, her family, her fans, mm. and to your point, Matt. Yeah, the fact that this character made the transition from the animated series to comics, and now we've seen you know a, f- a few different um, performers take on this role. But I I still feel like you look at Margot Robbie, you look at Kaylee Cuoco in the Harley Quinn animated series, and I'm excited for you know Lady Gaga for her rendition and the upcoming Joker too. But I think they are all, even if they're doing something different, they're still looking back to what Arlene Sorkin did when she originated the role. And it's all homage to, to what she brought to the table. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, the, they, they all, they all sound so much like her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Up next, uh, Disney plus is not moving forward with the Spiderwick Chronicles. It's live action series adaptation of the popular children's fantasy books. The eight episode series from Paramount television studios and 20th television has been completed and is currently being shopped by Paramount to other potential buyers. Jay, um, I know people are like, why are they getting rid of a series that they already completed? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And uh, this is a Disney cost-cutting uh, effort that we have happening here. Essentially, the the simple version is that if you make your company less valuable, if you make your product less valuable, you have to pay less taxes on it, right? So the more content you put on the platform, um, the more valuable your platform is and the more you have to pay in taxes. So they're looking at the Spiderwick Chronicles and what you're going to talk about next and the next story too, this other series that are completed, they're doing the cost-benefit analysis and they're saying we probably don't want to be this valuable of a company to pay this level of taxes, which is a completely asinine thing for the fans, right? (laughs) Who like uh, heard about this series and got excited about it and got invested in it and followed all its production and then to have it just not appear. And we saw some like similar reminds me of what happened with Willow putting it on and then taking it off and not releasing it on physical media. It's you're going to, you're going to lose fans faith eventually. Like the more that you see this happen with streaming platforms, it makes people more cautious to buy in uh, on these platforms and to buy in on these properties in the first place. Hmm. Absolutely. Up next, Disney Plus has also uh, decided not to stream Nautilus, a big-budget prequel to Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Disney says that it is working to find a new home for Nautilus. Scotty. Ah, you go ahead, Scotty. I was just going to say rewind 60 seconds and listen to Jay's take (laughs) on the last story. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Killers of the Flower Moon will hit theaters October 20th with a streaming debut on Apple TV Plus to follow at an undetermined date. Uh, This pivots from previously announced limited rollout set for October 6th. Hey, Lee. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be the third Oscar darling this year in movies because it's got an amazing cast. It's taking on a really tough story that happened in American history, real crime. Um, just south of me. And so I just saw the posters released today again, the new ones. And I just, I'm very excited. I think if you're looking forward to seeing it and you haven't read the book, be ready for a kind of tough watch. I'll do a tiny butt here. Um, Haley, you called it a Oscar darling. And I really do think like that is the reason for this move. It's not 
terribly later, but going from October 6th to October 20th, I just think that shows confidence that they think this is really going to be an awards contender and just want to keep it that much closer to those uh, those Oscar campaigns. But this is honestly my most ante- anticipated movie of the film now that Dune, 2, Dune Part 2 has uh, moved to, to next year. And that that trailer just slaps. I love that that mm-hmm. song that they use in there with the the bass and the uh, indigenous chants. Like this this looks so good, and I, I feel like you know Leo is going to deliver. You know he's he's had a number of incredible performances, but I feel like this is going to go down in the history books as one of his best. I concur. I also hope it doesn't take away from the reality of what happened, though. Oh, for sure, for sure. And lastly, Ridley Scott has a fantastic cut of Napoleon uh, that runs four hours, <laughs> four and a half hours rather, and features way more Josephine. Matt, <laughs> nobody wants to see your four and a half hour movie. <laughs> Take a seat, Ridley Scott. <laughs> but if you like Josephine that much, like make a Josephine movie, like, right. like I don't know, exactly. you got like so much yeah. Josephine, like you could create the Napoleon cinematic universe here, and your <laughs> studio will be so happy with you. Like I'm seeing a simple solution to this problem. You have a four-hour movie, and you're like, well, this cut's got a bunch about another character. Okay, split it in half and make two yeah, movies man. if you care that much about it. I will not go to the theater for four hours of anything. I can promise you that. I don't care what movie it is. Oh man, yeah, very, very rare. There's very few well, watch movies out, I do that for. Killers of the Flower Moon is supposed to be pretty long, <laughs> like <laughs> three and a half, I think. Ooh, I didn't know it was it, that it, long. Oh I'm yeah, so it's gonna be lengthy. <laughs> Bring a catheter to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Garfield was supposed to be three and a half hours too. But... <laughs> well, we know you'll be there for every day. It's releasing on <laughs> a Monday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was so meta. <laughs> That's a really good idea, honestly. Release it on a Monday. Like it's not a bad it's not a bad idea. Not a bad marketing ploy. Um all right, guys. Well that is multiverse news for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh we'll be back next week with lots more news. Uh hopefully. The news was a little light this week. I- I'm scared that these these strikes are really starting to affect the news. Um but you know what? We got lots of things to talk about here at this All show. All right, Jay can always walk us through some furniture building. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We'll do a tutorial. We'll go live. Yeah, we'll do the yeah. whole thing. Jay's a master craftsman at building <laughs> IKEA furniture. Apparently, <laughs> I have a lot of experience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, tell them uh, about where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me at Commute the Podcast, where we make a 20-minute weekly educational show teaching you three interesting things that you didn't know about on your way to work. So come check us out. Awesome. And Haley Hobbs, tell them where they can find you online. You can find me at Source Pages with Brian B. Klein, where we read comics and novels as primers for all the geeky TV shows and movies you love, like Ahsoka. Um, and then, of course, the aforementioned Pandavision coverage for Ahsoka with Ooh. Ashley Coffin. And we kind of have a rotating panel, but Matt, Jeff, whoever else we end up getting on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on it this week. Come check that out. Um, and uh, Jay Scotty St. Clair, where can they find you online? Yeah, you can find me over at Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And My Adventures with Superman has one episode left, so excited to talk about that show and do a season review. And I think I'm going to have uh, my uh, Multiverse News co-host here on to talk about Solar Opposite Season 4. Heck yeah. That's, uh, 
Yeah. I just finished it last night. Let's go. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> stay tuned for that. That's T-O-O-N-E-D. <laughs> nice, nice. I have to check that out. Um, all right. And I, uh, I'm going to tell you about a podcast I'm really excited about. Uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite to do lately. Multiverse News. You guys need to check it out. Multiverse <laughs> News. And tell your friends and subscribe and all the things you do to a podcast to help us and to to find it sooner next week so uh, hit the subscribe button hit that like button five star it all the things really excited to be here uh making this show so thank you all for joining us this week and we'll talk to you next week peace you stay classy multiverse